head trauma was like pretty severe. I was like in a coma for like seven days. This is why I love the ultra running community. And I'm just super inspired by this. So enjoy this episode. I think it's a special one. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thanks, man. I respect the shit out of that, man. So you keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. And that was a moment I, I can look back on now. And uh, that was one of my favorite moments, getting a foot massage by Hayden at mile 62. This is um, a fan of yours, and I'm just calling in to express my admiration. It's Dean Carnassus, the ultra marathon man. Hello, listeners. This is Chris Marco, and we are live. And you're listening to Training for Ultra podcast. This is Anna Mae Flynn, and I'm here talking to Training for Ultra podcast. Yeah, it's like really, I just need to catch up with Rob. 100 miles is not that far. I, I thought oh. it was a joke, actually. It, it is. I thought it was one of your jokes, yeah. It is a joke. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so classic. Oh my god, you because literally thing would be like beep, beep, beep. Mother, mother, beep. Mother, mother, beep, beep. Mother, beep, mother, beep, 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 beep. One, two, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Training for Ultra Podcast. I'm Sally McRae, also known as Yellow Runner. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra podcast. This is Charlie Pinkie, and welcome to Training for Ultra. Welcome to episode 118 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. Exciting episode, inspiring stuff with Charlie McKee. Big thank you to the show sponsors, Hammer Nutrition, Sufferfest Beer, Exoskin, Destination Trail, and Ultimate Direction. Also, big shout out to all the Patreon supporters. Close Facebook groups, fun. We have a virtual turkey trot coming up here pretty soon. So excited to see those posts and updates, inspiring each other, motivating each other to get out and go for those runs that maybe we don't want to get out to. But trainingforultra.com now has a wrap now that it's getting colder. So check those out. 10 bucks free shipping within the United States. I think it's a actually a really good buff too. Um, great logo. <laughs> but check that out and let's get right to it. This is truly an inspiring episode. Charlie has been incredibly nice and I'm really excited to share her story. So get ready, buckle up. This is episode 118. I'm joined by Charlie McKee. She is one of the recent winners of the Havelina 100K. She's becoming a friend. We've gone on some group runs, and I promised her a full episode if she laid down a PR and won Havelina. So, congrats and welcome <laughs> to the podcast. Thanks, dude. It's great to be here. I'm excited because I, I don't think um, many people know your story. Let's go way back. Like, how long have you been running for? We'll start with that. Running, 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 Probably running since I could walk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think running, running probably is not terribly long. So probably since 2013, I think is when I kind of caught the little exercise bug, but it didn't really flourish until maybe 2015. Yeah. Um, 
but 2016, I think, is when I started really competing. So, Were you, I played soccer way like oh, okay all, all growing up. So it was kind of like I ran. I just chased a ball and had like ten other people with me on a field. So. And were you pretty passionate about that, or was that just like me and my local rec team that was by far the best rec team around, but we <laughs> didn't take it that serious? Rec league gets really serious. I don't know. It's what made me ultimately quit, like get scared. And I mean, people are aggressive, at least in like adult rec leagues, but um no, I mean, I was very obsessed. So I picked it up around like seven and my brother played it. So I kind of just copycatted everything he did at that age. Um, and yeah, just played um, for different teams in elementary school. And that I think was more rec until I was on a club team. Um, and I played in Europe when I lived abroad and like just basically all through high school was on like three teams at a time, like super obsessed. I like that kind of an extreme personality or kind of, I can, I can really relate to that. Where, where did you grow up by the way? Uh, so I lived pretty much everywhere. I grew up military, so I've been all over the East coast, the West, um, and then lived in Germany for a little while. Interesting. I didn't mm-hmm. pin you for that. That's, that's really fascinating. And so yeah. why, I mean, did you pursue college soccer uh, no. So I was, I wanted to, um, and that was pretty much everything I think I was working towards the like junior, senior year of high school. Um, I was doing a lot of like college tours and going to like different collegiate camps and stuff. And then, um, I had an accident my senior year that basically ended that completely. So, uh, I did try to pick up soccer like rec leagues and stuff maybe a couple years down the road but it just wasn't the same and I couldn't compete at the same level so I just decided that I would start running so I mean what would happen not to not to be nosy (laughs) just like like an accident was it uh, did you take a fall or uh, no. So I was actually in I was a passenger in a really bad um drunk driving car accident. Um, and so, yeah, it was pretty traumatic. Um, I'm very lucky though. I didn't get any brain damage, but, um, I had like 16 fractures in my face and like had to undergo like a really long, um, surgery to repair a lot of bones in my face. And so there's like little plates and screws and stuff. And then had like plastic surgery a couple months after and it was just a lot of oh my gosh I had no idea yeah I don't I, think a lot of people do I think I, my close friends do but it's yeah. kind of just a thing I, um I've gone running with you I would never <laughs> guess like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's crazy that's yeah wow gosh that had to be just awful like and so we're not that this matters but I mean were your knees okay were your was the rest of your body okay? Was it just mainly the fractures in your face or, or did you have fractures elsewhere? Um, yeah. So, well, the head trauma was like pretty severe. I was like in a coma for like seven days. So like it was, it basically what? didn't matter. Like, oh everything else really didn't matter. Um, and it's funny you mentioned that because 
they were in the hospital so focused on like my head that they didn't really check to see if I had broken bones anywhere else. Um, and I woke up in the hospital and I had this like really, really intense pain in my shoulder. And I kept telling like the nurses, I'm like, something's not right. Like this hurts really, really bad. And they're like, no, no, it's just, you know, you really banged yourself up. And I was just like, yeah, I know. Turns out I like completely like chipped the tip of my shoulder off. Um, and that's the only other thing that happened apart from like the head trauma. Um, cause your, I, your ribs all made it through that. <laughs> my God, like yeah. no lung, lung injuries or like any, wow. No, yeah. it was just, um, I lost a lot of blood. That was probably a dangerous God. thing. Um, but it was more or less just, uh, it was like a head trauma, like a whiplash type thing. My like upper body oh. went forward. Yeah. So well, fun times. I'm really glad you made it out. Okay. That's that I truly never would have guessed that. And I mean, I've, n- I don't think I've met anyone that's been in a coma for seven days before. Like, that's just unreal. Yeah. Um, and like, so how was, did you end up going for college after this or was it like just, you know, total change of perspective on everything? Um, it was actually a really tough time because it happened right at the end of the year for the most part. And, um, so I stayed home for the rest of my senior year and just kind of did homeschooling and graduated. But, um, I actually ended up getting bullied a lot after it in school. Um, it just kind of compounded on top of a lot of physical things um, that I couldn't do or, you know, couldn't go outside or couldn't do any kind of physical exercise or anything for a very long time. So college was actually something I really latched onto. So I just basically went to the next state over from where I went to high school and like dipped out so fast. Uh, I was so excited to leave um, and started going to school in North Carolina and it, I mean, it was pretty much okay. Um, I, I think I needed that. I needed to kind of grow up, um, at least on my own, and find new friends and find my own passions because everything had just kind of been jolted and stripped away. Um, so I really flourished, I think, when I got to college. And, and um, yeah, didn't waste much time trying to repair everything so that's interesting and so what were you studying what what did Uh, you find passion in well that's funny because I was actually pre-med this kind of inspired um being pre-med and then halfway through I realized I just hated it um it just wasn't apart from actual anatomy and biology studies everything else sucked like chemistry was the hardest thing in the world and I just was so depressed over like having to stick my face in a book for like hours on end. And it was just boring material. So I switched my major to uh, English literature and film studies and kind of went back to my uh, passions for art and um, advertising and art in advertising. And then just kind of stuck with like the marketing creative side of things when I graduated and 
ended up in a lot of really cool jobs after that. So, what, what type of art were you interested in? Not, I, I don't know why I'm like diving into totally, totally like <laughs> like left field like, material. Who, who's, right your, now? <laughs> who's your favorite artist from the 1800s? Um, <laughs> um, no, I mean I write, so I write a lot of poetry. I think that's my main form of artistic expression. Um, but you know, I appreciate everything from like cinema and um, mostly the writing that goes on in cinema. So. Um, I really can see that. Yeah, that's, it's definitely what pulls me in and I'm definitely a weird person and I love commercials. Um, so I love seeing good artistic commercials or funny sketches and skits that are turned into like, um, you know, segment TV shows like SNL and stuff like that. Um, I always find those very interesting. Um, so that was kind of the direction I wanted to pursue and ended up pursuing. And um, yeah, I mean, it's fun. Art is really cool. So what, what got you into running? Uh, probably a lot of stress in college. Uh, basically having a lot of free time um, because I wasn't playing soccer anymore. And there was that remnant of like physical exertion that I was just used to. Um, and I decided one day uh, that I was going to go for a run because we used to do one-mile runs in soccer. And I thought it would be pretty cool after that if I could try to go a little bit farther. And one day I was like, you know what, I'm going to do a 5K. So I went to the gym and I was going to start training for a 5K. And then I ran eight miles and I was like, well, crap, we got to read this strategy. <laughs> got, a little, got a little carried away there, Charlie. <laughs> like two and a half, five Ks. Uh, yeah. So I think just that first run really was something that I felt like I had potential to do something new. And it, I just went in, like bought five books on like running and learned about ultra running and was like, obsessed in a matter of like days so that's beautiful to hear yeah. <laughs> honestly um and so what i mean did you sign up for your first race while you were in college or did you graduate and then start you know progressing uh no so i did it in college it was a half marathon i think it was my first actual race and my training for it was very unconventional i thought um, the best advice I had gotten was from Scott Burick's book. Um, I think it was eat and run. And he said like the best way to know that you can finish a race is to do the distance. So I was like, cool, great. I'm going to go run a half marathon every weekend until my race. And so I did that. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, it was very unconventional, but I got a lot faster than I thought I would ever get and had a race. I think it was my senior year of college. Um, and I went to the next town over and did that and had a blast and ran like a one thirty something what? like a one thirty, Yeah. And it was just super fun and I enjoyed it. And I kind of figured then that I had some potential to like do better and, you know, go longer and probably start doing marathons. And my realization of wanting to do an ultra marathon one day 
Um, but yeah, between school and work and internships, it was all very calculated efforts and training. I just didn't have a lot of time. So I would spend maybe an hour a day going for a run. Um, and it wasn't until I got like a full-time job after school that I could like commit a lot of time to doing the whole long mileage thing and building up bigger weeks and stuff like that. But it progressed really quickly after that one race. Yeah. Seven flat roughly probably to, to do a one thirty something. That's, I mean, you clearly still had that aerobic base from soccer with you. It seems like you might have like, I don't know, the, the downtime from senior year to whenever you picked up running might have actually been really beneficial after all those years of soccer. I don't know. That's to just come out of the gates with like a one thirty half is crazy. <laughs> yeah. um, were a lot of your training runs at race pace, like, or were you doing easy runs? Had you like what of those five books you talked about? Like you said, Jurich. I assume Ultra Marathon Man. Yep, Born to Run. Um, the classics. Yeah, like just you know as introductory to ultra running as you can get with that slight twist of adventure that really pulls you into like the more wild side of the sport and the unconventional thinking and I, I was enamored I was like wow these people are so cool I don't want to do something crazy like that one day but um yeah I mean like I always kind of knew I was a little fast because when we were in high school we did testing for you know the mile or the two mile I think was the longest we ever ran consecutively um and apart from sprinting on a field um, and no one's using a little like stopwatch and testing how fast you can run down the field to get a ball or something. But um, I think I knew I could go around that pace generally. Um, and it was a really hilly course too. It was in downtown Raleigh. So if anyone's familiar, that place is just like the longest road hills ever. It's uh, it's like Newton Hills in Boston, but just everywhere. Um so it was a lot of really hard training for that to keep pace. But I ran, I think, maybe like a 6.50 in high school and, like, could do that consistently every year. So I kind of knew that, like, I was a little quick, but I didn't know I could do that for 13 miles. My training was, like I said, very unconventional. I started, I think, around two hours the first time I went out and did um, a half marathon effort, just, like, as a training run. Mm -hmm. And it it got faster by increments. So it was like a 150 the next time I did it. And then the next week after that, it was like a 140. And then the next week after that, it was like a 138. <laughs> so I was like, very, okay. very typical improvements in the half marathon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so I think the race itself was, I mean, combined with adrenaline. And it was like, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, that was just more or less the extra boost to kind of bring that time down, I think. But since then I've only run maybe a couple halves very seriously and maybe only gotten down to like a one twenty eight, twenty nine. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's I that's mean fast. I 
That's my max. (laughs) I probably could go faster, but it's my hat is off to people who can really improve there because that just takes a lot of speed work. And that is the most tiring thing in the world. (laughs) Yeah. I'm more scared of speed work than I am to go do a hundred miler. It's kind of weird. Um, runners. Yeah. Yeah. God forbid I have to spend an hour at a track like that. (laughs) That's much scarier than like, I don't know, 24 hours or 30 hours somewhere. Uh, And so last question on this timeline, like, did you feel like your pain threshold changed after that crash? Like, cause you knew what pain felt like on the soccer field. How did pain feel like post coma for seven days? Like in, in all the surgery and, and all those fractures, like how did your pain tolerance change? Um, it, yeah, that's actually probably a secret weapon I have, but um, I guess it's not secret anymore. It's out. Um, <laughs> I don't edit. It just made it. Dang it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, it's pretty exponential. I mean, like, I used to be able to push myself pretty hard before in sports and stuff. And, you know, like, would, I fractured a finger in a game one time and still finished the game because it was just kind of like... I don't know, you get so hooked into something that adrenaline rush is substantial. But yeah, after the accident, it kind of really changed. The pain just was so different than anything I've ever experienced before. And like, I think the strongest thing to have come from it is not necessarily the threshold for pain. It's the mentality to withstand a lot of pain or to minimize pain to like put it into perspective um and so I'll be in a race and I'll if I'm going through something where maybe my hip starts to hurt or something I'll just think to myself you know have you ever felt pain worse than this and it's a resounding yes so I'm like well you better like suck it up buttercup because like this is nothing and then it just kind of pushes you through a lot of those moments where things could otherwise start to become um, you know, problematic and I'm very quickly easy to squash them and say like, no, you're very fortunate and you're lucky to feel that pain right now. You're lucky to kind of get a little tiny bruise on your knee because you fell, you know, like keep going. This is nothing. It's going to have to be like a freight train to stop you if you really want to like claim pain as the reason you can't get through anything. So, um, Yeah, but it also kind of, you know, has its downsides where I don't always know, especially in training, I think I've overtrained many times, especially when I was training for marathons, because I'll get to that point and just not really be able to make the call that like a strong calf pain is probably an indicator of like, those are hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, maybe you shouldn't push yourself through it. So it's a balance and I'm still learning it as I go. But I think um, just generally, especially in races, like I can get through so much bananas pain that like it doesn't even phase me until the next day when I'm just like, oh man, my body is in the worst shape. (laughs) I have an odd I, I relate to you quite a bit. Like during races, I've told myself so many times, 
especially during 200s, you, this is not just a one-time event during a race, it's multiple, but to like accept the pain. Like I've said that so many times that I've now kind of convinced myself that like it's a good feeling in a weird sense. So I've like mentally trained myself to cope with pain sort of like on a similar plane there. Like I, it's hard to explain, but you, I mean, especially having perspective too, which I don't quite have your perspective, <laughs> which is, I, that's probably why I'm talking to you. Honestly, I think that's a, it's going to be hugely valuable, not only at the hundred K distance, but wherever you take this thing. So tell me about your first marathon. First marathon was a doozy, man. It was what happened fast. Um, gosh, the, just out the gate with kickers, man. Um, the first time I ever ran a marathon, it was the Marine Corps marathon and I wanted to be cute cause I've been training with some really fast road runners, um, in Raleigh. And you know, that's all they could talk about was Boston, this Boston, that, and I was like, all right, well, if you say that's the thing to do, like, let's see, let's see if I can do this. Um, and I chose the Marine Corps marathon because my dad is Marine group military. Um, and we kind of like bonded over it. Sports was always like our thing. Um, and he's always been really proud of like my soccer career and like just basically, uh, supportive of me doing running as like a new hobby. And so he was all jazzed about it, but a weird life circumstance again where he ended up getting into it was the same month actually as my car accident um but ended up getting into a really bad motorcycle accident and he was like hit by a truck and then run over by another truck and like um yeah he's abroad he was working in dubai at the time um and so we couldn't really get there and spend time with them. So we were like really helpless and our family was going through a lot, but we ended up going to the marathon and this had been maybe like two weeks after his car accident or his motorcycle accident. And, um, we didn't really have anything to do, you know, it's like kind of pathetic to say, but it's just like you, you're helpless. And so we're like, let's just go to this race. You just do this thing. It'll be fine. And, you know, I decided like, I have to do this. Like, this is what I said I would do for my dad. Like, yeah. Um, and so I had been training very, um, very well actually for that race. And I wanted to get about a three, I think I was shooting for about a three thirty four flat, um, which would have been a BQ for women my age at that time. Um, And it was raining and cold the whole weekend. And we ended up getting a phone call in the middle of the night. Um, So I didn't sleep the whole night before the race because of this. But um, we ended up having to make the decision to amputate one of my dad's legs because there was so many complications and all this stuff. So it was just like another big paradigm shift in like, the way that we would go about our family and like someone close to us. And, um, you know, I couldn't go back to sleep and I just kind of like sat there with that image in my head and just like, I have nothing to do. I have to go do this race. And, um, so I left early, got on the little like Metro thing and it was freezing cold. And I was just wearing like a t-shirt, um, 
and it was raining. It rained the whole race. And so I just remember like the miles ticking off one after the other and like just feeling very overwhelmed by like everything going on. And I just zoned out and decided like, I'm just going to push and push and push and see how much farther I can go. And I ended up like, I think it was 324 and it was my like wow. PR for a long time. So I ended up getting the in those crappy conditions. <laughs> yeah, I ended up getting to go to Boston like the year after that, which is super cool. And my dad was able to not be there, but was following along. Was like super supportive. But oh, cool. Yeah, it was just kind of like one of those mental things. Um, I think the general uh, underlying theme with a lot of my big shifts in running has always been like moving through some otherwise really tough moments in life and just kind of using running as like the vehicle to like champion life and like feeling physically and emotionally present in a moment and being alive. And like that marathon was so much fun, but it's just, yeah, I mean, I went to Boston after that and did maybe two more marathons after that, but those things are hard, harder than half marathons. <laughs> By, like, explain that thought. Harder than a half marathon? Yeah. By, like, two yeah. times? or Yeah, like... you have to run a half marathon twice. <laughs> um, no, it's just, like, uh, I think the potential to, like, improve there, especially when you first start running, is really great. So you do your first one, and you kind of establish where you're at at that distance, and you know, you can always improve, I think, a hearty chunk of time um, within the first few times you really commit to racing and training at that distance. Um, but it's so subjective to, like, conditions and the perfect day. And it, I've overtrained for them before because road running and training on tracks and stuff, that just really beats your body up. And um, I think, yeah, just generally road has more wear and tear on people than I think trail running does. So for sure, it's just harder and 26 miles, like you can do that fast. You can definitely push fast and hard for that for a long, you know, like three and a half hours. And it's just, it sucks, man. Like running three twenty or seven twenties for three twenty is very, very tedious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when did you run your first ultra? When did you get off the roads and start doing more trail? Uh, 2016. Um, it was actually right after, it was like a couple months after that race. So I only ran the marathon apart from wanting to prove to my friends that I could do it, um, like get a BQ and kind of run the roads like they did. Um, it was to grow up to a 50K. Like I had always intended from that first eight miler like right after that to run an ultra one day it just that is super weird, so super fun. weird. Yeah, <laughs> i relate to that thought exactly did you ever think of beyond 50k or was oh, 50 yeah. you did okay that's aggressive yeah. man i wanted to just like i think i wasn't necessarily attracted to the idea of a race but more or less like the time that you just get to spend out in a really cool place doing things that other people may never ever get the chance to do and get to 
see things that are very hard to see and experience things all over the world just because you're fit and healthy and can like move for extended periods of time, you know, like that just kind of seemed like the type of adventure that I really wanted to get healthy and fit for. So everything was just like growing the distance up to eventually get to that point in life. And it took a few years, but I mean, it paid off. (laughs) I mean, like getting to go do a bunch of adventure stuff now and like, you know, doing races that are longer. It's always just like so overwhelmingly fun and exciting. So this is super weird. I just pulled up your ultra sign up. I think I did my, my, my first ultra. Um, I think it was May 14th of 16 also. That's super weird. Well, man, I thought you were about to say that same, we ran the same race. No. No. You would have beat me by like three hours probably. So, um, how – well, we could have still run the same race I guess. Um, what did you modify in your training from going Boston qualifier – did, by, by the way, did your friends make Boston too after they gave they, – that's all they talked about? Did they all make Boston too? Just no. out of curiosity? No, they didn't. <laughs> oh. Um, sorry. Uh, I just had to ask. Actually, actually, I take that back. One of them did. Um, and she was – she's a very awesome lady. Um, but the others were fellas and they just – man, three, 305 – and Raleigh is really hard to hit, especially when you're running around in a lot of those areas. Those are not fast courses. Like Utah has a lot of downhill marathons and a lot of them are Boston qualifiers. So you can actually really come close to your goal there if you're fit and healthy, but running a true hilly course and trying to come out with a time that aggressive, it just decimated a lot of my friends who really were passionate about pursuing it and uh, eventually some of them did end up going, but yeah, it just, not that, that year, that year was my year. And it actually, the year that I qualified for Boston was on my birthday. So it was like a birthday cool. party, Boston. Yeah. You deserve so some good fun. luck after everything you'd been through. I mean, <laughs> seriously. Oh, thanks dude. But yeah, the, the hilly course, we're going to hear about that with Atlanta 2020. So stay tuned on that front for the trials yeah it's gonna be i don't know why they picked that one but uh (laughs) moving on um so what did you change in your training to go from these faster marathons to then hitting the trails at a 50k distance um you know i think the shift came mostly in realizing how much closer that 50k is um, to a marathon, like the distance is like, you know, seven to eight miles longer, give or take courses. And like, it's for me, maybe about an hour, an hour and a half longer. Um, and I'm like, you know what, I can, I can do that. Like the shift was more or less just realizing the potential, um, and, the growth that had already happened in marathon training and hitting that marathon distance and then saying, okay, well, this isn't a super long stretch. I just doubled the distance I'd ever done before from a half marathon to a marathon. And now I can just add a couple more miles. And so the training was more or less just targeted to 
staying mentally focused and hungry and excited. Um, you know, I would read more books about other people's experiences with ultra running. I started listening to podcasts about that same time. So I would start listening to a lot of running podcasts and like just very much. So spending more and more time training. So I would start to do two hour efforts between that marathon and the 50 K um, because I felt like that was longer than I'd ever really trained for a marathon. I think I topped out maybe an hour and a half, maybe two hours was my longest run. Um, so just gradually adding on a little bit of time, not necessarily distance, but time in my training and focusing on the excitement of it. And I mean, it's still unknown. I, there was no way I was doing another marathon distance before that race. So I kind of just figured once I get to the 26.2 mile marker in that race, I'll like have my own little like fiesta on the trail and just be like, woohoo, uh, you did it. Like it's all new territory. And I did. It was great. I called a friend um, and we celebrated for a brief moment and then I kept running. But um, it was also my first trail race too. So that was like, that just compounded on top of it. So I had been running roads all the way up until then. And then I ended up finding trails too. And most ultras are trail races. So I was like, well, I guess I got to start running on trails. So um, I started seeking out trail running around the same time. Um, and I mean that if you're a road runner and you're starting to figure out you know, trail running and stuff like there's nothing more energizing and surprising than like going on your first few trail runs and experiencing the difficulty of that. Yeah. And then also <laughs> just the pure beauty of how you're doing the same thing, but it's like totally new. Yeah. I was Court, Courtney and I were trying to like explain on uh, one of the previous episodes, like the difference in road running to trail running. And like, I don't know, how do you describe the difference? Like, is there, does it take time to adapt to the trails? And like, if so, how? I think it takes a little bit of adapting. I mean, you have to learn how to pick your feet up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, road running. Learn that real quick, right? <laughs> yeah. You're going to take a lot of falls. Um, and that's just kind of comes to the territory and like, I mean, I've got some gnarly scars from just like taking real big diggers like on trails. And, but I think just the experience of it is different mentally too. It's more stimulating. You have to pay a lot more attention to things on the ground. So I found that when I got into it, I got really tired like way faster. I would only be able to go out for like a six mile trail run because you're just trying to go as hard as you would on a road. And the effort is just different because there's so much variation. You're going up one minute, down the next. There's little roots and steps and like the trail is narrow or slick. And it's just so much variety. And it's thrilling, but it's also like very taxing, I think, that initial shift into it. And but it I think anyone who starts to kind of figure out trails is already looking for that like stimulation there. Um, so I've met very few people who've gone running on trails and not, not enjoyed <laughs> it after they've come from roads. I mean, yeah, that's I a good point. 
I eat shit all the time when I go running and I still love it. So I'm like, that's great. Bloody <laughs> knees and band-aids and like half of my races. It's cool. Oh, I ate it so hard. I think it was, I think it was Tahoe 200. And I was like one mile from the aid station, just ate it like to the point where I was kind of cruising down clipped and momentum took me off the trail, off the side of the trail Luckily, it wasn't like a mountain cliff or something, but... Oh, man. Yeah. Did that some breath? Yeah, and then I had to get the GoPro out and try to explain <laughs> to people what had just happened <laughs> as I'm like a hot mess. <laughs> Gotta document it. Got it. <laughs> um, so, two, like, two paths we can take here. I want to hear more about your nutrition... Let's start with meditation. Do you meditate? What do you think about while you run? Music, no music? Oh, so I don't... I I think meditation is... I've tried it. Uh, I think people who can do it are impressive. But I, I think too much and I move too much. And yoga is amazing, but I it's very rare that I think I can handle it. Um, I'm very much the opposite. So I'll, I'll go for a trail run or a race and I'll just jam out to music. If not the whole time, a good like 80% of the time. And it's funny, this past race um, that I was doing, Cody Reed was pacing me towards the end and we, I put my headphones on because I was coming out of like a real funk that I was having and it brought me back to life and I just started like singing to my music and Cody didn't have any headphones and so (laughs) this poor guy is listening to me like sing and run at the same time and I'm not a good singer you made him grumpy that's what you did (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's I definitely like get into it. I like will dance periodically while I'm running, which usually ends up making me fall. But you know, I think Danny Marino is like the only other person I've heard say anything similar. Uh, Like this is probably the most important question of the night. Like top three, top five playlist. What's, what are you listening to and dancing? Like I'm going to judge you on this. So pick pick carefully. (laughs) Uh, Man, it's all over the place. So I'll listen to a lot of things like uh, EDM or like kind of upbeat alternative rock stuff or like indie music to singer songwriter. Like it's just a mashup. But I think all time favorites that have never really left my playlist are. (laughs) um, And this just goes back to music I listened to as a kid that it just brings me to life. But uh, anticipation is just building. Okay. Let's hold off. Okay. Okay. Suspenseful pause. <laughs> um, Moni Moni by uh, Billy Idol. Classic. Uh, and then we've got um, No Matter What, but the Def Leppard version of it. Okay. Um, yeah. And then recently, I think Taylor Swift's song... Um, Oh shoot! Can't think of the name. Um, I I, oh I wish I could help you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I've, no! I've heard um, I've I've heard one or two of her songs. So yeah, um, it's like shoot, it's playing in my head. I'm almost at the chorus. 
Uh, I don't edit, so this is all, this is all making it. People are judging me so hard right now. Um, <laughs> She's not even a real fan. Yeah, I know. I'm not. I'm not a real Taylor Swift fan, but I do love that song. So, um, uh, shake it off. I, I'm just going to go to Google here or whatever. You need to calm down. Goodness okay. gracious! Wow. <laughs> That's that's it. That's uh, yeah. That one's a dance party indefinitely when I'm on a trail. So yeah. Once I share this episode, I think I'll do it on Instagram. But for the listener, list your top three favorite songs to listen to while you run. I'll pick one or two, and I'm gonna like just mail you something. So I'll mail you a book or a buff or something. So uh, based on charlie's top three i don't know if you'll agree or not but in the comment in the comment section below her podcast share that i put out there only you guys know no one else is going to know what the heck you guys are doing because i'm not going to say anything about it um but i'll pick randomly one or two of you guys so you end up going beyond 50k it seems like the trails are kind of like a natural progression for you you have pretty good success right out of the gate so you converted whatever you did really well and i don't want to go over each race but i do want to ask like nutrition what did you change if anything do you have a unique way of doing nutrition um i guess uh compared to a lot of my friends and people i've crewed or just have seen you know at many races um I don't actually eat during races um, and I don't, it's mostly just liquid calories. Um, That's something you never hear. I don't, I don't eat during ultras. Yeah. Um, Well, I never eat when I run and I never ate during soccer and, you know, we would have soccer tournaments on a weekend. We'd play three games, you know, before, three o'clock in the afternoon and it's just one after the other after the other. And when I eat, I just don't feel great, I guess. I don't know. So I'm just kind of like, I think naturally conditioned to run on fumes. Interesting. Um, There's oranges at halftime. Come on. <laughs> There's a quarter <laughs> oranges. I eat watermelon now. Like occasionally okay. I'll have like a bite of watermelon, but it's like every six, seven, eight miles. So okay. it's not substantial amount of calories by any means whatsoever it's just kind of like ooh, that looks delightful um yeah so i'll just do liquid calories it's usually i think maybe about 200 liquid calories every six seven miles roughly that's Um, pretty good yeah it's that's maybe a little overestimating it but um i just don't stress over it honestly that's my strategy because Um, I tried to do a lot of eating and stuff and some of my earlier races, I tried like gels and stuff and it just, I, I think I had less success doing that because it wasn't natural to me and it just felt very forced and I got into my head a lot. Um, so my first hundred K I got to the 50 K mark and I couldn't eat anything And I was freaking out and it just totally crushed me because I was like, no, I'm going to like lose this like race. I'm not going to have a good time. You know, I'm going to blow up because I can't put food in my mouth. I can't swallow like pretzels or chips or whatever. Um, And I realized, I think after doing some thinking about it after that, that that's going to have to be okay. And then just try racing and running 
how I feel like I want to race and run and what feels like it's good and works and comfortable. And I don't recommend this, but I tested this theory again (laughs) in a race. So it was the first time I've ever really like tested that nutrition plan of just like liquid calories. And it was like flawless. And I was like, this, we've got it. This is it. Um, But yeah, I mean, my goal is to always kind of shoot to like the very end of the spectrum. So like if I am, I'm getting just enough calories to move and be hungry and like energized. Um, but it's marginal. So like if I miss a bottle or if something goes wrong in that plan, you know, it's not substantial. There's definitely going to be a time where that might backfire. Um, but so far it's working and it's very simple. Um, I like it because I don't have to stress out about walking up to a table. I think the only thing I take off it now is maybe a piece or two of watermelon. If it's early in a race, I'll take like a bite of a peanut butter sandwich or something. And then, you know, just kind of not stress out about food ever. I mean, listener, if you're stressing out during a race, just remember you're burning calories by being stressed out about <laughs> racing. Um, do you, are you on a liquid only diet? Do you eat real food at home? Yeah. Does everything go through a blender? No, I do eat a smoothie for breakfast every day, but no. Really into I, liquid calories. Yeah, you okay. love real food. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have like any kind of special dietary like, do you eat gluten? I don't know. Are you fat adapted? Do you have any kind of, I don't know, unique dietary habits or no? Uh, I've been vegan for a very long time. So it's, I don't really think it's necessarily vegan truthfully now because I will eat eggs. I had a landlord who had chickens um, and they laid eggs and they're all natural, like, you know, organic fresh eggs so I was like you know that's the most humane yeah I'll ever see like yeah I'll eat it um and I'll do like maybe traces of dairy and some stuff just you know like it's it's hard to be mean for me like if someone makes like a pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving and they spend all that time I'm not gonna be like the rude person what kind of milk did you use or whatever yeah <laughs> You know, but I'm, I, if it's me, I don't buy those things or like, I don't, you know, cook those things or anything. I cook mostly just plant-based foods and stuff like that. But, um, it's very, I think high in fat fiber and protein. Um, those are kind of the things that I like to stick to. And I really don't eat a lot of sugar. Um, and I don't eat a lot of like, um, carb rich things so like bread i don't really care for bread at all or pasta i really don't like pasta um and me and my friend laurel will joke actually a lot that i don't eat sugar but i will happily drink it so (laughs) all my drinks like orange juice and soda and stuff or what no no so i only drink water but i will have cocktails like it's nobody's business if it's like a social gathering. Like I love a good margarita and there are so much sugar in that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just drink all of my sugar, Li- liquid sh- sugar. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I'm starting to see 
a connection with all this stuff. Um, no, but I, I like the um, eggs with being vegan. That's interesting. I've actually, honestly, post Triple Crown, I found myself just craving that kind of dietary need for whatever reason. Um, but I was craving eggs, like hardcore. So um, I, I haven't heard it described as like vegan. Is there an actual like veganism that, I don't know. I think there's a, a form of vegetarian, right? With I eggs. believe they call it ovo vegetarian, but you know, I'm not going to be the person who's like technical about it because yeah, I, I don't know. It is delicious. And, um, I just don't eat meat and I don't really handle dairy well. So yeah. everything else though is fair game. So I'm like cool. just all the food <laughs> liquid. Um, so <laughs> Havelina, seems to be your race what is it about arizona that you like because you are performing really well there you've won a ton of races in arizona did you live there for a while is that why all these races popped up or do you travel there or what's going on in arizona yeah um so i actually lived there as a kid that was one of the places that we spent a fair amount of time at um and so a lot of my very early memories are just like chasing lizards in the desert with my brother and like falling onto a cactus, you know, stuff you do in the desert. Um, Happy memories. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that kind of is home base for my mom's family. Um, So she's Hispanic and a lot of her family still lives in different parts of Arizona. So um, if I'm not going back to visit family, I'm always trying to go back at least to the desert. It just feels like home to me, I guess, in a weird way. And like the trails there, the weather there, like it all just kind of complements, I think, my me and myself. So like, I love the heat and Havelina is notorious for being hot. Um, and that just doesn't bother me in any way, shape or form. Um, my crew put ice on me there this year and they wanted to put more ice on my head. And I had to like plead with them not to, because I was like shivering already. I was just like, guys, I like the warmth. Like, what are you doing to me? I'm getting so cold. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just really enjoy the quietness of the desert and like the ecosystem, you know, snakes. I love to see snakes and, lizards and the flowers in the desert are sublime um the smaller mountain ranges like i memorized all the little mountain ranges around phoenix just from like childhood memories of them um but yeah it just kind of feels like where i like to go a lot um i don't know if i'd ever want to live there per se but not not during the summer no, definitely not. Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a line there. Um, I don't think anyone can handle that. But yeah, so, I mean, it's, just, it's fun there. I, so that must be helping with your races there. It seems like you're just comfortable being, uh, you know, in the Phoenix area. Because Havelina, you know, it's just a flat, easy race, like everyone thinks. Um and then they're actually out there scorching and realize there's no shade or anything. And it's actually quite difficult, but like, have you intentionally gone after this Havelina hundred K? Cause you, I think you took what third or something to that effect early on and then came back and won it. 
two consecutive years now? Yeah. Um, and you threw down some quick times. Yeah. So the, the first time I did it, um, it happened to be kind of like around the time I was trying to do something very uplifting for myself around the time of like the anniversary of the accident. Cause I just like to feel connected and like I've progressed in some physical way. Um, and that race happens to fall usually on the week that that was many years ago. So it's kind of just a great timing. That was the initial draw to it. And then I wanted to do a hundred K and that seemed doable because of the loop style of the course. Um, and then I went back in 2018, um, more or less because I wanted to just kind of check out. I think I was going through a lot of big change, just life in general and felt kind of like numb and needed something to be happy about. And that race the year before had just really, struck a chord with me and made me feel better and realize a lot of things about myself. So I figured if I just put myself in the right place again, you know, the universe will conspire to help me feel better somehow in some way, shape or form if I'm just open to it. And sure enough, like that race is just, it's full of so many amazing people. If you've never been around the era Viper crew. It's, They're I cannot amazing. say the nice, any more nice things about them. Like there aren't enough words in the English dictionary. They're like the most friendly, personable athletes. All of them are runners to some capacity. Um, and just generally care about people and the experiences that they're having and go the extra mile you know, from aid station, Captain Patty, like making exceptional foods and like Jamil and Jubilee and Scout, Noah, um, Haley, they're all incredible RDs. Like the attention to detail is phenomenal. And so they attract the most incredible people to the races who are just there to have a good time. Or, you know, there's so many inspirational people who go to Havelina to do their first 100 mile or their first 100K. And you get to kind of see these people because of the style of the race. It's like a washing machine. And you can witness their races going on simultaneously to yours. And it is so inspirational in the middle of the day to just see somebody having an incredible time or if they're otherwise having a difficult time, like, being someone who can boost their confidence and help them realize that they're still moving and they're still, you know, chasing their dream. And it's just, it's such a fun environment to be around as a runner. And it just like, I feed off of that so much. And I just am so happy every time that I'm there. And 2018 was the first time that I decided I wanted to kind of win and like push and see what that would be like. That's so cool. You decided to win. Like it was, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't necessarily like a physical decision. It was more of like, you're ready mentally to win. Yeah. I mean, I thought I was just kind of running my own day. I wanted to do like a sub 10 and then uh, second place caught up to me and it was a literal decision of like, no, nah, I, I want to see if I can like stand on top of the podium this time. I've never really pushed my body. I think to that exertion and it was transformative. You kind of just, reach into the depths of what you thought you didn't have left. And then you realize that there's like another gear and it's just incredibly fun to kind of come to that realization. But 
I had such a good time there and I love that course. It's not flat. Um, I think <laughs> that's my advice to everybody who's always like, Oh, it's flat. Perfectly it's, smooth too. It's fast. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, but it's not flat. Um, and so it's, it's good. It's definitely a great place to go run something hard and fast and fun. Um, and then, yeah, this year is just really kind of trying to see if I could take even more time off and like maybe go to another level of running. Um, so it was very calculated, but I, I, I just can't stay away from that race. Um, next year, I think I might not actually race it. I'll just be a volunteer because that I can promise you, if you've not done it and you've maybe heard about it and you've thought about it, just go. It's the funnest place to be at, like around Halloween and it's yeah. a running extravaganza. I kind of want to volunteer at Jackass Junction. <laughs> oh my gosh, please <laughs> do it. You yeah. will love it. It is yeah. so much fun. By the way, it's a hard first 100K and first 100 miler, not only because of heat, and, and again, there's only like five, I don't know, five or 10,000 feet of gain, not a huge amount, but it's the fact that you're doing consecutive loops and you go back into the tent village and you can drop. You have so many opportunities to drop out when you're like right by your car and everything. So don't take that race for granted. It's actually much harder than you might think um, from what it looks like on paper, both physically and mentally. But Charlie, what have you learned most about yourself while out on the trails? Because it sounds like you've made Havelina this this uh, anniversary mark showing your progression, you know having overcome so much, like what have you learned most about yourself though, while out on the trails, whether it's at Havelina or elsewhere? I think I've learned how to be most grateful. Um, and I struggled, I think with a lot of things just growing up, you know, like aging from 18 to, you know, 27 now, just like so much life change and, you develop new hobbies and you get jobs and, you know, you just go through many things in life and running kind of just became this thing that started to weave itself into everything. And it was always kind of present. And I just feel very grateful to be like physically able to do things um, and just be present in a moment, especially on a trail and running kind of just, it's the most, I think, intimate expression of like my gratitude. And I am always just so happy when I get to spend so much time outside on a trail and, you know, I get to run into my friends and see people and meet people, you know, running and stuff like that. It just, it's brought so much great things into my life that I, I don't think I otherwise would have found, um, the sport is, you know, it, there's so many shapes of it. Um, and trail running, especially you get to see things go places, you know, like climb mountains or go into the grand Canyon, you know, like it, it becomes a method for you to do a bunch of things that other people, you know, may only ever dream about. And so for me, it's just this very, uh, positive 
fulfillment and grateful attitude that I get to have every single day. And so, I mean, I'm bummed out if my coach says that I have to take an off day because I'm like, oh man, but I just really feel like I want to go for a run right now. Like it just is so much, um, so much, it brings so much joy to me. And I always feel like in the middle of a run, even if I had a hard time starting that run because I'm tired or, you know, it, I'm sick or something in the middle of it, I still always find that little moment of like, you know, you're okay. Like you're going to be fine. And like everyone around you is everyone has their own life and you get to kind of connect that way when you're running with people too. So, I mean, it's just a very personal fun enjoyment for me. And I know there's so many other runners who have such similar stories or similar connections when they run too. And it's just, that's the best part. Yeah. You like get the to, shared and, experience and like we can relate and not even have to even talk about it in a weird sense, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And like, you just, you find your people. Like, exactly. So much fun. What's, what's your dad think about your running now? Um, he's like the biggest fan. Um, it's kind <laughs> of, uh, it's awesome. Yeah. He's so supportive. He'll be like calling me and texting me all throughout like a lead up to a race um, and is probably the first person to call me or text me after a race. And he's always tracking me. And That's so um, cool. if he can be there, he'll try to be there or something. But yeah, he's just like, he has like pictures on his desk at work now of like me holding, you know, a trophy from Havelina and like, it's just, you know, it, it's that thing where parents brag about their kids and the successes that they have, but he's always like, yeah, my daughter runs 60 miles and like, he just loves it. He thinks it's like the greatest thing ever. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> we have a lot in common. This is kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know who's my biggest podcast fan? Oh, is it your dad? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Does he listen? Is he going to listen and- to this? He will de- he'll follow you on Instagram if he likes you. Hi, he li- Rob. Dad. <laughs> he he just finished the New York uh, City Marathon. No way, that's so cool. Yeah, he's he's gotten into it, but he's I think one of the few people that has ever said to me, "I've listened to every single episode, like all the way through." Which is kind of cool. Dude, parents are so fun. Yeah. No, I'm very thankful. Okay, I got two or three more questions and thank you for taking so much of your, your time. Let's start with the red hair. Um, or it's kind of, it's, it's kind of a purplish pink, red magenta. Uh, how do you describe it? And who had it first? Oh, no. What's going, what? going. I'm not uh. trying to start hair battles, but <laughs> I had people reach out confused because they saw you in a youtube video and they thought you were amanda basham and then people saw amanda and thought it was it was getting confusing to people um that's that's actually funny so amanda's a really close friend of mine um but no i don't know who had it first honestly um i think i have to go to the gram i definitely did it it right before havelina the first year so i think it was 28 17. Um, and it was just because I had always wanted pink hair and I was just too afraid to do it. And I figured, you know what, like you're about to run the longest race of your life. You may as well just do it. Like what, what who cares? Um, 
And I don't keep it as fresh as she does all the time. (laughs) Permanently red and it's amazing. Um, But I think mine is always a little bit more like purpley than hers. More people call it purple. I'm shooting for pink here, you know, but I'm not going to complain. But (laughs) I, I just like it. It feels fun and it feels like an expression of myself and kind of the spunk that I like to have when I'm out running. And it just like, I mean, I like pink, uh, guilty. I like pink shoes, pink shorts. I'd wear a pink shirt if I could, but that's excessive. Nice. Um, Sorry, I had to ask. I had to go there. And then (laughs) let's see, do you... Because I want to uh, give a shout out to your sponsors, but let's go over your gear and and then I have one last question for you. But what shoes are you wearing these days? Like, what's your favorite? The Ultra Superior Four. The oh. Superior line has just always been my favorite, but the Four is like, in my opinion, the best iteration of that shoe ever made. Ever. Ever. Um, <laughs> I was going to try to make a joke. I, I, I drew blank. Um, I'll edit that out. Um, let's see. So socks, do you have, I mean, do you have any other sponsors you want to mention? Uh, well, rabbit is, so I'm on the rabbit elite squad with, um, so many incredible people, but I swear by their clothing. I have never found another pair of shorts since probably 2017 as well that I've ever wanted to wear because they're just so soft, stretchy, comfortable. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, The men's, the men's version for me is like close, close. I I think I got the wrong size, but shout out. Mm. I think it's Monica. It's like super, she's so nice. Yeah. So nice. Um, Do you use any of their other gear? Oh yeah. I mean, I have like tons of long sleeves from them and like tank tops, all of my tank tops for the most part are rabbit. Um, if, if I don't think I have any new running gear from the past two years, I have some old stuff that I just like have, but I don't really wear anything else. So. And then nutrition or. Unived. Um, so they're a vegan based nutrition company from India and Amit and Monica there are also amazing, amazing people. Um, they're very progressive with a lot of the, uh, engineering that they've done for their product line. And so I use their drink mix probably on any effort over 13 miles. And then of course racing, it's like every, few hours but yeah i swear by it and you know they have tons of other products too their recovery mix is amazing and they have like just daily vitamins too that i'll use um they're all vegan friendly vitamins so if you're a vegan and you haven't checked them out yet i strongly suggest you do because it's cruelty free you don't have to worry about anything and they taste great so shout out to unived nice any any last sponsors you want to shout out to or friends. Um, I don't oh. I don't care. This is your time. <laughs> uh yeah, uh I'm actually on the Era Vipa racing team, so I do a lot of their races just because, you know, they sponsor us and they put on such amazing events anyhow, but um yeah, I that is probably the most incredible team of athletes ever assembled. Um, and just generally the people behind 
the works of all their races are the nicest, most caring people ever. And so I'm just so fortunate to know them as friends and family and get to, you know, feel their support when I get to go run. Um, they're amazing. And I, again, cannot speak highly enough about their races. They have so much to offer. Um, and they're expanding, I think a little bit more. Um, and so they're mostly in Arizona, but they have a race in Utah and one in Colorado. Colorado. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Um, fun stuff check them out. They've got stuff for everybody. Um, I, I totally agree. My next two races are air Viper races. So oh, yeah. across the years, last person standing, which Jamil's even racing. I think I talked him into it actually. <gasps> um, so it's just, it, those races with, I think there's only seven or eight people that signed up so far. Like you have to have someone else to like, at least go, I don't know, 48 hours with you, you know? Obviously, Jamil's a hell of an athlete, so um, that'll be interesting. And then Black Canyon 100K is my oh. annual event. I can't not go to that race at this point. Yeah, that race is so cool. It's almost more for the people than the race itself at this point. I love, I, I love that race. So, um, what's next up for you? Uh, so, as of today, actually. Uh, bandera 100k so i've officially signed up and i will train for it with what little time i have left but um yeah i'm gonna try to go there um i don't want to say any, any specific purpose <laughs> yeah it's uh, okay you can... called the golden ticket um it's definitely piqued my interest um i think i want to start figuring out you know how to get one of those um and it would be really cool to eventually run Western States one day. And I'm a firm believer of earning my way in. Um, and I don't have any races that I've even got tickets for yet. So, you know, that it helps it, your belief. <laughs> Sorry. Lottery, too, <laughs> um, two for one, nothing really bad can come out of it. Um, but yeah. Um, plus it's, you know, different terrain, different state, you know, just kind of like, going to be a whole new experience um fast and furious that should be really fun it's um, humid it's humid and it's techy as shit so oh humid check that's all just you, north carolina in a nutshell <laughs> okay if you got humid and you got tech then you're in oh, good you're in good shape because there's normally not like a huge attendance um for those golden tickets or at oh. least it's yeah, for some reason, I think everyone focuses in on Black Canyon 100K within the female realm, at least, the past few years. So, you know, I, interesting. I think that's a safe, a safe way to look at it. I think the way that, that ra those races have kind of become notorious for being golden tickets, I think it's changing. And I don't, I definitely will not show up to that race with that kind of you know, confidence and being like, no one's going to be here because I am definitely positive. There are going to be some strong women oh, there. And definitely. Yeah. Oh, but that's exciting. Yeah. I just, I want to, I want to have someone to go neck and neck with for a good portion of a race and like, you know, race some strong women. I think, so I think you're peaking out and you'll do awesome at that race. Oh. If, 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 uh, Courtney D shows up or something crazy and you end up not getting it there. Are you going to go to black Canyon? Are you going to the canyons or wherever the hell the other tickets are 
uh, Georgia Death Race, and I don't I don't know where the other ones are. Um, I think you got them all. Um, no, so I think Black Canyon. I have a friend who is pretty set on racing it, and so uh, I think I'll just be there with her and helping her kind of. Well, they give out two. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I guess that's another way I could help her. You could um, work together, kind of Coconino Cowboy style, you know, like team yeah, up. Maybe, I don't know. Um, I haven't really thought that far ahead. I just kind of decided that Bandera is the new nice. one. Um, not really done it, so I don't really have another reason to go there apart from doing that race, too. So I'm like... Me either. I, I'm fun. sorry, Bandera, Texas. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that police uh, officer that I upset quite a bit when I was there. <laughs> I was speeding quite fast. I didn't know. It was post-race. Um, are you going to take the golden ticket and actually run states this year? Or 2020, I mean, if if you were to win one, would you then utilize the training blocks like into going for your longest distance um, as states, like as your first one? Yeah, so that's also part of the calculation, too. So I think Bandera would give me enough time to kind of grow up to that fitness that I would need to do 100 miles. Um, And that's, you know, hypothetically, if things go well, whatever. But um, some of the other races, I feel like just might be, from my experience and being so new to that longer distance, um, it those races might not lend themselves well in a timeline. Um, So I that is probably the intimidation for me for something like canyons where I just feel like it might be too close. Yeah. Um, whereas someone who's already got hundred miles under them and, you know, has some experience that might be a really strong entry for them. Um, yeah. So I'm going to hope that maybe if I do, um, there's definitely a lot of probability that I don't, but if I do get a ticket, I think I'll consider some of this and, you know, want to, make Western States be my first big show. But, you know, I think it's the only hundred miler that I actually want to run. I don't really have the allure to do a hundred miles per se. Um, I just have been around that race for work (laughs) quite a lot. So I'm like, this is so rad. Like I want to do this. So I think mentally you're there. It seems like you're committed to winning and it's almost like Havelina in 18 when you showed up and just you said you know i i gotta win this thing now like mentally you're in a great spot so stay healthy you know keep doing what you're doing and i'm excited to follow along and i think you're gonna have an awesome 2020 so yeah thank you for taking all your time and uh where can people follow you on social media um your favorite right yeah, it's Instagram. Uh, the world revolves around Instagram these days, but uh, <laughs> it's Mick Charm, so MC Charm. Um, yeah, that's basically. I don't post a ton, um, but my stories are just you know the intimate details of my life, like my cat and cool trails. So if that's what you're into, <laughs> <laughs> that is such a great ending right there. <laughs> Well, no, I, I appreciate your time. And again, don't forget on Charlie's update on Instagram that I do list your three favorite songs and I'll pick one or two, few, maybe a few more winners and I'll ship you guys a, a rap or whatever. So Charlie, have a good night. Thanks for your time. 
Thanks, dude. And that was episode 118. Charlie, thanks for taking all your time. Thanks for sharing your personal story. I found it really inspiring and it's just absolutely amazing to go from being in a coma, you know, having all of that to get through and winning Havelina 100K. It's really amazing. Big thank you to the show sponsors, Hammer Nutrition, Sufferfest Beer, Exoskin, Destination Trail, Ultimate Direction. Thank you to the Patreon supporters. Have a great week of training. Get out there. Don't forget to enjoy it. See you guys 